the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hey friends, happy Wednesday. Welcome to The Common Good here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Aubrey Sampson, my name is Brian Fromm. Really glad to have you with us on a Wednesday afternoon. And Aubrey, there's only one spot to start today. Where's that? We spoke this snow into existence this morning. We should be apologizing to the greater Chicagoland area because I believe it was just yesterday or the day before that we said... There hasn't been any snow. No snow that has mattered this year. I haven't had to shovel all year. Blah, blah, blah. And then I woke up today and I had to shovel at 630 in the morning. It's our fault. I had to laugh about that, but I'm going to blame you a little bit more because I did say, Brian, I think there's snow coming later this week. And you were like, no, there's not. No, there's not. As if you know the weather and you're in charge of the weather. And so I actually, I I think this is your fault more than it's my fault, but I will take a little bit of responsibility because we were very flippant. Like, oh, maybe we won't have a winter global warming. I believe I made a a global warming joke. Yeah, you got you definitely did. But so, he, here we are, our beautiful snow. I actually, I mean, carpool this morning was, no a, was not fun for either one of us, but um, I, I like a pretty snow, especially at first. It's nice to have it every once in a while. I like when it snows when you don't have to be anywhere. That's that's what it's nice, but it's these days where you have to like get out of the house. So yes, our apologies. Uh, those of you who had a, a complicated commute this morning, it is it is our our fault, our fault. And Aubrey, <laughs> I'd like to also point out it must be a woman thing because you just did something that my wife does uh, and others <laughs> who when who when mimicking what I say, uh, how I say, does it in the most ridiculous voice possible. And I'm thinking to myself when my wife does it, I always think to myself. Is that how you hear me? <laughs> Ooh, yeah, it's never going to snow outside. <laughs> yes, that's exactly what you sound like. That is an accurate, accurate uh, depiction of you. <laughs> many, t- many times I've said to Carrie, I've gone, is that what I sound like to you? <laughs> Kevin will do that to me quite a bit. And then he, um, and then he'll get over exaggerative because I'll be like, is that what I sound like? And he'll be like, yes, this is what you sound like. <laughs> so I'm going to over exaggerate you from now on. S- solid, uh, <laughs> solid marriage advice right there. So yes, again, our apologies for the snow. Or if you like the snow, you're welcome. But yeah, we have welcome. that. We have that sort of power here at The Common Good. Well, we're glad that you're joining us on this hump day, on this Wednesday afternoon. Aubrey, uh, Russell Moore wrote something fascinating, I thought, over Christianity Today. Uh, It was basically this, why the pro-life movement still needs Jesus. And Russell Moore, uh, very pro-life, right? He's at the forefront of the conversation. But I did find it interesting that he took time in his kind of weekly 
article for uh, Christianity Today to kind of challenge Christians, not about what we are saying, but about how we are saying it. So he just says it. He says it bluntly this way. It's true. He's talking about uh, Roe versus Wade and um, this being the 50th anniversary of that and everything going on in uh, the pro-life movement in our culture uh, around the abortion debate. He says it's true, not just with what we say and do, but also how we say it. And then he quotes our fa- one of our favorites, Eugene Peterson. Eugene Peterson was writing to his son, and it says that Eugene Peterson noticed that our evangelical movements and ministries are often missing ways and means. He said we must be attentive, he argued, to the how as well as the what. He said, when the missional how is severed from the worship, who and what, the missional life no longer is controlled and shaped by scripture and the spirit. And so mission becomes shrill, dependent on constant strategies and promotional Mm. schemes. And I read this. I was like, oh, man, so often we all concern ourselves, which is important on the what. Like, I'm going to argue why why we have to be anti-abortion or I'm going to argue why you should believe in G or whatever else it might be. But Russell Moore and through Russell Moore here, Eugene Peterson speaking of the how as being as important as the what. I find that really convicting, especially in this day and age. So that's something I feel like I've said on the show before. And I I typically say in like marriage conflict, like the way you have Mm. conflict matters more than what you're saying. And and I believe that wholeheartedly. It's interesting to think about that um, in relation to something like the pro-life argument or really any sort of position that Christians take. Are we more concerned with being right, right standing, arguing, etc., than we are the way we actually mm-hmm. do that? And it's interesting to me that... Uh, you know, Russell Moore is talking about how that does seem to be not just a new concern, but right. a concern that we've had for a long time that Christians in the evangelical American context tend to think like doing the right thing no matter what, like mm. even if it's the wrong way. Is That's the more fascinating line than, in here. Yeah. Can yeah, we go ahead. do, I'm sorry, but can you, you hit the line that I underlined in this article when I was reading it? Can yeah. we do the right thing the wrong way? Obviously, the answer to that's yes, but what's the result? What's the result when the church does the genuine right thing, mm-hmm. what we would say when standing up for the unborn or, yeah. you know, whatever, put whatever issue there? When we do the right thing the wrong way, I think it still damages the name of Jesus. Well, that's what I was thinking. It does seem to impact our witness in a really negative way. It it and it um and it traumatizes other people, which is not what the name of Jesus right. should be about. And I understand this is not an argument for doing everything perfectly all the time, but I do think this is kind of that age old like if you are more concerned with being right than being kind, loving, uh, humble, then there's a check there that I think is worth evaluating. Like, are the fruits of the spirit guiding me here? Or is my like, I'm right and you're wrong. Whatever that sort of arrogance is, if that's the thing guiding you, that's not like Jesus. Now, none of us would say Jesus is like a doormat. That's not what this conversation is either. Because sometimes I can hear the other side going, well, Jesus stood up for what was right. And Jesus, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, we have some moments where Jesus did that, but Jesus didn't traumatize 
people with his like rhetoric and his like being rightness, you know? Yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. He, he was more interested in the wholeness of the other and the healing of the other and the forgiveness of the other and transforming the other. So it, it's, I, I, I certainly think that Russell Moore is onto something that we can be totally have the right biblical position, but be doing it in a totally wrong way. Yeah, he says, what the, or specifically about abortion, what the world needs from believers is not just effective strategies in ending abortion or even in addressing the underlying causes of an abortion or euthanasia culture. Mm-hmm. The world also needs Christians to embody the way, the truth, in the life, both in where we stand and in how we get there. Mm-hmm. Boom. Like that was very yeah. convicting to me. Sometimes I think, Aubrey, that we overcomplicate things mm-hmm. that – Uh, I feel like oftentimes when I'm preaching, and I have to say this to myself, oftentimes one of the application points in almost every sermon that we preach to Christians uh, is don't be a jerk. (laughs) Don't be a jerk. And we get that wrong so often now on Twitter, on Facebook, in real life. I think if we could embody love Jesus, love the world, and add on to it by not being a jerk, we could really have some effective evangelism. I mean, isn't it wild that that's sort of the bottom line? Like, just (laughs) don't be a jerk. And that ultimately, that's like, yeah, this just feels like basic humanity for anyone, but especially for the Christian. Like, if... If you're acting contemptuously or arrogant or whatever in your need to defend your beliefs, uh, you know, I think maybe like check yourself before you wreck yourself and wreck your witness and and cause more damage than good. So the two takeaways are don't be hey Christian, don't be a jerk. (laughs) And in the words of Aubrey. Uh, check yourself before you wreck yourself. <laughs> Those wow. are the takeaways. We're, we're, we are deep on this Wednesday night. I'm, I'm writing these down. I'm writing these out for my next sermon. You're going to write them in your book. <laughs> it's the title. Don't be a jerk. It's the title. Don't be a jerk. <laughs> Coming up next, uh, Aubrey, I touched on this yesterday, but I want to dive into it. One of the feel-good stories of the last month or two uh, has been hijacked by the conspiracy theorist. Oh, Going to no. share it with you next here on The Common Good. AM 1160, hope for your life. Aubrey, we deal with really important stuff on the show, but can I just share a little personal tidbit here? Yes. I'm going to sound like one of your children. I bit oh, my no. cheek yesterday chewing oh. something, and now it feels like I can't talk regularly. <laughs> Wait, isn't that – that is one of those hilarious things to me in life, this like shared human experience where you bite your cheek and then you bite it for days. For days. And, the, and you can like – the taste in your mouth is so like um, – I don't know what uh, – Metallic almost? Yeah, it's metallic and, and you're we're all like – even now you just saying that, I, my mouth is drooling because it's, it's, such, a, it's such a physical, tangible, yes. emotional, sensational experience experience but that is a i'm so sorry that happened i think that it, and so also fun. doing a radio it's show funny, it makes though. it hard to talk <laughs> it's like it's like you just went to the dentist or something i do believe in the new heaven and the new earth that we look forward to and we point to people no will not che- bite their cheeks no more cheek biting <laughs> it will not happen all these big things were like no more death no more this no more biting your cheek no more, biting your cheek. No more that annoying little, uh, little wound inside of your mouth i probably should should have saved that for our next episode of Grinds My Gears, but that is uh, that is something. Speaking of annoying, speaking of annoying things, okay. Uh, nice. I mentioned this yesterday, Aubrey. We all by now know the story of Damar Hamlin, the safety yeah. 
the defensive back for the Buffalo Bills went to cardiac arrest on the football field in Cincinnati, was literally revived on the field, uh, making a miraculous comeback, uh, comeback to health and is not in the hospital anymore. Right. Now they're starting to say he still has a long way to go. You start to yeah. forget like the trauma his body's been through. So there's, yeah. he's still on oxygen, stuff like this. Wow. He went, he was at the Bills Bengals playoff game in Buffalo this weekend in the, um, in a press box or in like the owner's suite, you know, so he wasn't out in the stands. Uh, and, and when they showed him up there and every time he's been shown since what happened, Basically, he's been shown to have like a hood on or a scarf or this or that. Mm. Uh, And Aubrey, that has started something right now that I think so much of the DeMar Hamlin story was the best of who we are as a culture. Totally. Uh, Coming together, praying, people giving $9 million to his charity that whose goal was to raise $2,500 or something like that. It feels like the best of who we are, and it has now brought out the worst in many people. It is there is now a raging Damar Hamlin conspiracy theory saying that he is dead, uh, that he died on the field, what and that world? this is now a body double, and that's why he's not showing his face <laughs> to the point that he uh, is starting to address it. Yesterday on Twitter, no. he said some. He said something to the effect of, I'll say something soon or something like that. What and you're in like, the and, world? and all of these people. And now you start opening up. I must said opening up the paper. Nobody really opens the paper. You yeah. start opening up the Internet and you're right. seeing mainstream places having stories about this because it's cat. It's gone from like the dark corners of the Internet uh, to be uh, much more. Like, is this, could this be true? Uh, at this one article uh, I'm reading, it said this bizarre rumor going around in which some social media user suggested Hamlin died on the field and a fake version of him was sent out what? to the game this Sunday to make it seem what? as though he's still alive. And people are starting to believe this. So uh, this feels crazy, but so do yes. a lot of the conspiracy. Like, I really want to land yes. on conspiracy theories and their danger. Yes. But what about this one in particular? Well, so I, you had told me about this in the I studio mentioned it yesterday, yesterday. Yeah, and I yeah. and I I think what I don't understand is the why. But you said it actually goes a little bit dark, like it's kind of people who are anti-vaxxers, and it's this whole like NFL vaccine cover-up. Or right. am I right in that that that's where some that's of the motivation some of it, lies? Uh, some people, um, some people have suggested that a so there's the nfl they're just trying to protect themselves we it's bad for our brand if somebody died on a field so it's that oh, right? okay, okay but there's also the there's a there's a wing of our culture as you know who is claiming that these heart things have to do with the vaccine and therefore this wasn't an issue of him getting hit on the field uh, he, it was another verse another thing of cardiac arrest or whatever else from the vaccine and that can't be acknowledged on live television in front of everybody so yeah i it, it is when it comes to you and i've had fun with conspiracy theories sure like sure. we did it we did a top 5 list a week or two ago our favorite conspiracy our theories our favorite conspiracy yeah. theories like they're yeah. interesting Right. But now in our day and age, they feel really dark. They That's feel what I was really just thinking, this is dark and this is like mean and this is 
cold to his family and like also just weird guys go like go for a walk and live your life a little bit you know what What? are you doing what spurs this kind of stuff do you think because there is a rise in conspiracy theories uh i think one of it is just a distrust for authority it is we don't believe we don't believe our government or you know when it comes to covid we don't believe the the health agencies or whatever are being forthcoming with us. Therefore, there has to be a bigger answer. I think that's part of it. What do you think? Why do you think? Because we should tackle this. There's a lot of growing belief in conspiracy theories of people in, in our churches. And I, my, my guess is it's a form of control for fear. Like there's bottom line is I mean, I'm not a therapist. As you like to say, I'm a few credits shy of my therapist that's right. license and degree. But my guess is underneath the the need to even believe or spread a conspiracy theory is some fear, some wound, something that you feel anxious about. And a conspiracy theory is a way to control it because you can kind of go, oh, I got it. I gotcha. Yep. I've solved yep. it. And sort of in this weird like need to like be the, oh, I can see behind the curtain, I think really is a way to control and overcome actual fear. Mm-hmm. And and but this kind of thing is very I mean, it certainly lends itself to some personalities more than others who begin to both buy into and then spread and then really believe a conspiracy theory. Yep. Um, this is not to say that there's never weird. more to the stories, right, that we read. Fair. But but the danger in this and I also think part of this is that we all watch movies and television shows where there's always an answer. And there an are conspiracy theories, too, and in there, those. Yeah. There's yeah. always an answer. There's right. always an explanation. Right. Sometimes in real life, there isn't an explanation for things. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I do think there's a distrust here. There's an accessibility issue. There's all this kind of stuff. But but for us as Christians who claim to be people of truth. Right. To be people who just peddle in conspiracy. This doesn't mean don't go read about the vaccine and figure out what you – I'm not suggesting just blindly believe everything you're told. But people who are regularly forwarding and retweeting or putting on Facebook conspiracy theories, when you claim to be a follower of Jesus Christ – it feels like it works against the mission of the church. We claim to know truth or to we claim truth at the same time. We're going to doubt all truth. Yeah, it it, it feels a little, I mean, and I, I want to not be totally judgmental. I, I tend to not be one who buys into conspiracy theories. Like if, if there's the opposite side of like the cynic about them, that's probably me. But I, it feels a little unmoored and a little unanchored. And I think that's why before I made a joke about like go for a walk, because I do think they're like, you need to go into your actual life and actual reality and focus on the needs of your neighbors, mm. what your family needs, what your community needs, and get a little more rooted in the actual place you're in rather than spending all of this time trying to solve some weird, bizarre, maybe mystery, maybe not online, especially like you said, as people of truth, like, let's just get grounded in the truth of where we are. And if, if there's a problem you want to solve, like, look at the needs of your neighborhood and put your energy towards that and towards loving people towards Jesus in that way. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's well put. I think we all need to look in the mirror if we're, uh, again, I've told you, I've listened to podcasts called conspiracy theories. There is something fun about them. Uh, But when they are kind of 
when we find ourselves believing all of this dark, crazy, there's always something behind the corner. By the way, conspiracy theories go back a long way. Do you remember when Jesus was killed? There was the, hey! the idea. Uh, the the disciples stole the, the body. That was stole the conspiracy the body. theory. So, yeah. Wow. Look at you. You're right. Crazy Damar Hamlin conspiracy theory. Bless his Ooh, heart. The fact that this guy is literally just trying to recover for his life and he has to address this, that to me is so, so gross. I hate that for him. I do feel like, because he's still a young guy, I feel like there's a little bit of trolling going on in his sense, because he knows these are going around. Yeah. He tweeted a picture of himself with his hood up and a, <laughs> and a scarf, and it just said clone. <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's funny. Uh, coming up next, Aubrey, I heard uh, Aaron Rodgers, the quarterback of the Green Bay Packers for now, he, he used a phrase that you've used before. Uh, that I want to discuss because I think it's an important phrase for all aspects of life, marriage, work, church, all of it. I'm going to share that phrase with you and let you expound on it next here on The Common Good. AM 1160, hope for your life. Aubrey, I was uh, watching the, uh, sports this morning as I sports! tend to do and you tend not to do. And they were right. replaying an interview by Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers, the well-known, even you know who Aaron Rodgers is, yeah, quarterback of the Green Bay Packers. And he's always dating celebrities or married to celebrities. Yes. He is, he is always, he is the, uh, yes, I almost call it, he's the Meghan Markle of the NFL. <laughs> <laughs> unfair, unfair. That, that's amazing. Tweet that. Somebody tweet that. Write that down, Brian. <laughs> so he uh, he was doing an interview. Aaron Rodgers. He's got. He's one of the greatest football players of all time. Also, he's got a lot of diva in him. A lot of uh, okay, drama okay. drama in him. And so every year, as he gets older. The year ends and it all becomes about where's Aaron Rodgers going to play next year? Is he going back to Green Bay? Is he uh, going to a new team? Is he going to retire? And he's doing it again. Uh, and he, But I saw an interview with him yesterday. I believe it was on the Pat McAfee show. And he used the following phrase that when I heard it, I said, hey, my co-host says that all the time. Aaron Rodgers stealing from me. What was he it? was. But then I think it's an important phrase, Aubrey. That's what I want to do. I want to get off okay. the football thing of here. And I want to just kind of say, I'm going to let you talk about why this is an important phrase for all right. of our lives. Marriage, feel, work, everything. Wow. I feel uh, like what I say must be really profound if it's important for all of you did not. Lives. You did not make this up. But he was talking about. <laughs> whether to stay with the Packers or go to another team or what, how the Packers might let him go, all of this stuff. And he yeah. said, he said, the grass isn't always greener oh. on the other side. And then he said, you'll like this. He said, as I always say, and I was like, hmm. mm -hmm. he said, as I always say, the grass is greener where you water it. Water it. He did not always say that. That is nope. not from him. That's a so saying. It is a saying, and it's one you've used yeah. often. And I've thought about often. I think it's an important phrase because – we all know the grass isn't greener on the other side phrase, right? Like, don't – it's this envy. It's this, like, yeah. lust. It's this, oh, it's yeah. better if I could just go there. Yeah. But there's the flip side. There's not the flip side, but there's the addition there of the grass is greener where you water it. Unpack yes. that a little bit and why that's a good motto for life. Yeah, I mean, I think – let me just take marriage. But it's not, it's not only true in marriage. But let's mm -hmm. just take marriage as kind of a, a uh, example especially in marriage, it can be easy to look on another person's marriage and think I want what they have or start getting discontent with your spouse and start looking outside of your marriage for companionship or for attraction or affection or whatever it is you're after, security. Um, 
And ultimately what we know is that never ends well. Like yeah. there's never yeah. a good story of that ending well. Um, and in a in a healthy marriage, uh, the grass being greener where you water it, meaning like if you tend to your marriage and do the work of love and forgiveness and communication and fun and commitment – that grass becomes the green place. Like that's mm. where things grow and thrive. And you start to realize like, oh, this is what I actually want. I don't want this imaginary life over there. I want the life that I have, but it does take intentionality to pour into it. And I, you know, this is true as parents. This is true in your career. It doesn't ever, it doesn't mean never make a move, but I think sometimes we can get caught up in like fear of missing out or, oh, if only I had X, Y, Z that they have, or, my life was like that instead of actually, no, I'm here. I'm going to dig down deep and pour into the places that God has put me and see the mm -hmm. fruit, you know, to use the metaphor, see the garden grow in the grass that's here. Yeah. Yeah. How does that work for say our jobs or you yeah. and I are pastors, right? Like I look at other churches and I'm like, I wish I had that church or I wish we did this or, you know, maybe somebody out there is in the business world and they're constantly looking like, oh, it'd be better if I work there. It'd be better if I did this. We do this as parents. I wish my kid was this. Yeah. Uh, how is this a good umbrella statement for really all of life for us? Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I don't want to talk about exceptions. Obviously, there are times when, like, you need to leave your job and go to a hundred percent. You know, yes. obviously, Brian and I aren't saying like stay where you are no matter what. But under the umbrella of like, have you really? If you're starting to compare your kids to other kids, well, have you really been intentional with your own time with your kids? Right, that quality time of pouring into them in your job. Have you just sort of phoned it in, or have you like? given your all and really poured into it, uh, especially we just talked about in your marriage, in your friendships, in your relationships. Are you, oh yeah, are you barely giving time and energy to the people that you say you love or are you actually being really intentional and purposeful? And, mm. and I, and I also think, so some of it's action and some of it's posture, like it can be easy, like you said, to look at other churches when you're a church leader and think, oh, they're more successful. I wish I was at a church like that. Or, when you're in a career and you're like, oh, man, if I could just switch and go do that thing, then I'll finally be fulfilled. I think part of it is a posture of gratitude for where God has put you and really trying to find the joy and the beauty in what's here now. I don't know if you remember, Brian, we had Jeannie Stevens on the show. She had a new mm. book out last year, I think, called What's Here Now. And that was sort of a the grass is green where you water it question. Like instead of constantly be consumed with some alternative reality, right? Yeah. You're, you go, well, what's here right now in front of me? Like what has God actually given me right now? The people in front of me, the opportunities in front of me that I can pour into steward for his glory and find that I might actually experience that like fulfillment that I'm longing for when I invest where God has me. Mm. It is. Uh, I want to get back to marriage because this is where it gets, this feels like where it's most important because I think in marriage, you and I have said this multiple times, you don't wake up one day and go, I'm going to get divorced, right? You right. don't wake up right. one day. Usually I don't want to speak for every marriage, I suppose, but in general, you don't wake up one day and go, I'm going to have an affair today. I'm, I'm yeah. so happy in my marriage, but you know what I'm going to do today? I'm sure it happens, but it, in general, there's a drift. Yes. And I think part of the drift of marriage is not tending to your marriage. It is yeah. 
just tending to your own self or looking lustfully at other things or whatever else it might be. And then 10 years down the road, you start going, I don't know this person. And sadly, transformation can happen. Things can happen. But usually at that point, it's too late. Like, you know, the the grass is greener in your marriage where you tend to it. So let's let's give some people some meat for this. How do you tend to your marriage? How do you water the grass, if you will? Yeah, I, you know, I, sometimes I think it's an oversimplification to say just have a date night because that can feel shallow, especially mm-hmm. for people who are in very, very painful marriages. But I would say that's a start. Invest in your fun, invest in your friendship, buy something like a date night or a regular breakfast or whatever it is that you enjoy with your spouse to kind of remember like, oh, yeah, we like each other, right? That's a way that's to right. tend your marriage. I would say on the on on a different side of that scale would be like invest in marriage counseling. Kevin and I have been married for 22 years and many of those years we've been in marriage counseling. Like we're not ashamed to say that people who are married need counseling. You need help mm-hmm. communicating. You need help forgiving. You need help seeing the other person's perspective. You need help knowing what your bad habits are, what your relationship killers are. And some of that, you just need that outside person who is trained to help you get there. That All that does is strengthen your marriage. That's all right. that does is give you really good tools to remember how to love each other well. I think there's great things out there, Brian, like, uh, you know, the love languages. So you may think you're loving your spouse, but you're missing it because you're not speaking in their <laughs> love language. And and we would say primarily as Christians that uh, to have a bigger picture for your marriage, like our picture, our marriage is about our happiness. We want to be happy in marriage. But it's more about our holiness, as Gary Thomas says. It's yeah, more about what yeah. God is doing through us as a couple and what God wants to do in our neighborhood through us as a couple and in our kids through us as a couple. And so I think to have a greater vision and a mission for the glory of God and the glory of the name of Jesus through your marriage, that sort of bigger vision can help guide the day to day. When you That's feel right. frustrated, you're like, okay. I'm frustrated, but I know my marriage serves a greater purpose. And so I'm going to do the work so that the grass is greener here, so that God yeah. is glorified and so that we're we're doing what God wants us to do in our marriage. Yeah, whether you've been married 50 days or 50 years, I think a constant question to ask yourself is, am I tending to my marriage? Am mm-hmm. I – or am I out – have my – has my – my view become, oh, it's so much better over there. Or yeah. you start, you've lost your contentment and your love. Right. That's a warning flag. And I think your call to being open to going to counseling, uh, that's not the first step to divorce. That's probably the first step to avoiding divorce. That's right. Maybe not even the first step, yeah. but further down. Uh, coming up next, Aubrey, I want to revisit something we talked about yesterday. Uh, some words from Andy Stanley. We're going to do that next year on The Common Good. AM 1160, hope for your life. Uh, Aubrey, why don't you tell people because I think we just assume this to be the case. But why don't you let me put you on the spot? What do Uh-oh. we want this show to do to be? Oh. Why do you why what why do we even call it the common good? Yes, I love I love getting to answer that question. Uh, part of what part of why we call it the common good is because right now we know there's so much uh, division in the church and in our country. Uh, both online and even down to like in families because we disagree over a lot of issues and that vitriol, that violence got really loud over the past few years. And so we want this to be a place where we wrestle with like, is there another way to think through issues, to talk about issues, to honor the 
dignity of the other, quote unquote, you know, when you think that they are the other. And where can we, you know, sometimes we think in black and white, but issues are actually gray. So where can we sort of embrace the gray? Where can we embrace nuance? And sometimes on the common good, you and I aren't, we don't always know the answers. We're wrestling through some hard issues ourselves, but we want to be a safe place to do that. And yeah. I would also say, and we like to have some fun. We like to laugh quite a bit as well. <laughs> so a safe space to figure out hard issues. And also we like to make you laugh and make ourselves laugh. Uh, yes, we uh, like like how we just decided today that we created the snow today. By, we spoke it <laughs> into existence. So We are. Uh, we manifested it. We are so powerful. <laughs> Did we do that story last week where if you just yes. believe something and manifest it? Well, yes. I think we did the opposite yesterday. We taunted snow. We taunted, I think you're right. <laughs> we taunted the weather and Mother Nature, and uh, it came back at us. So, yeah, I think that's well put. And one of the things, as you mentioned, we like to do is to tackle the hard conversations. Yeah. As, as Christians, as parents, as spouses, as uh, pastors, all of this, uh, we want to tackle the hard things. And one of those things, Aubrey, uh, we touched on yesterday, but I want to revisit partially because the beauty of radio is sometimes there's some technical glitches. And so we meant to play something by Andy Stanley yesterday. And uh, the beauty of technology is we had some trouble with it. So I want to yeah. bring it back and play it but okay. let, because I think it's important. Yeah. And also because Andy Stanley has, again, sometimes I think he wakes up and says, how can I blow up Christian Twitter? <laughs> uh, and you know, when the name Andy Stanley gets put out there, uh, he of the church, I think his church has 38,000 people uh, currently at the v multiple campuses at North Point down in Atlanta. Uh, I was going through the mentions of Andy Stanley just this morning in prep of this. And there are some people he is like heroic at the moment and other yeah. people he is at the front of the line leading people to hell. And there's wow. very little in the middle. <laughs> there's wow. very little. Why is that the case? Because Andy Stanley got up on Sunday morning at his church. Uh, and and decided to or not decided that makes it sound flippant. He uh, he waded into the waters of the church and homosexuality yeah. and talk specifically about his admiration uh, for gay people still who are still willing to yeah. attend church because of yeah. how they've been treated. Those are some yeah. of his words. Hopefully this will work. Let's go back and listen to a little bit of Andy Stanley's sermon. Figure out how to get straight people as excited about serving and engaging as the gay men and women I know, we would have a volunteer backlog. That's my experience in our churches. Well, I, I'm a gay person, I'll just read it to you. A gay person, when I say gay, men and women, okay. A gay person who still wants to attend church after the way the church has treated the gay community. I'm telling you, they have more faith than I do. They have more faith than a lot of you. A gay person who knows, you know what? I might not be accepted here, but I'm gonna try it anyway. Have you ever done that as a straight person? Do you, where do you go that you're not sure you're gonna be accepted and you go over and over and over and over? Only your in-law's house. That's the only place you go where you know you're not completely accepted, but you go over and over and over and it's because you have to. But other than the in-laws, what environment do you continue to step foot in knowing at any moment you may feel ostracized? No place. I'm telling you, the gay men and women who grew up in church and the gay men and women who've come to faith in Christ as adults who want to participate in our church 
oh my goodness. I know 1 Corinthians 6 and I know Leviticus and I know Romans 1. It's so interesting to talk about all that stuff. But just, oh my goodness, a gay man or woman who wants to worship their heavenly father who did not answer the cry of their heart when they were 12 and 13 and 14 and 15, God said no, and they still love God. We have some things to learn from a group of men and women who love Jesus that much and who wanna worship with us. And I know the verses, I know the clobber passages, right? We gotta figure this out. And you know what? I think you are. All right, and we wrestled with this yesterday, but I, right. I wanted people to hear it. But you hear some people saying, listen, all Andy Stanley's saying really is like, we have to love people well, whether right. we agree with them or disagree with right. them. That's our role. Other people going, man, you are you are one step from being fully affirming here, which is another thing people are happy, some people are happy about, but sure. also you're leading people in a destructive way. We still need to call out sin where there's sin. And it's become this kind of online debate that I'm sure Andy Stanley on some level uh, wanted to set up. And your progressive Christians are saying one thing, you're really kind of conservative Christians are saying another Um as you've sat on this, I played this mm -hmm. for you yesterday. What, what yeah. just, where are you at with Andy Stanley? Uh, yeah, doing this? I, you know, I actually appreciate having like another day to kind of think over it. Cause I, I did consider this a little bit more and you know, it is unfair cause we didn't listen to the whole sermon. And so I would, mm -hmm. I would at some point like to go back and hear the whole thing. I actually have, there, I, I've landed in two places. One, I actually don't think he's wrong. Like I do, mm. it is it is hard for gay people, and I would add to that other people groups, minority people groups as well, who have been, you know, shoved aside or might feel like they're hated, unwanted, are going to get th eggs thrown at them. Mm -hmm. To walk into a church is a really brave thing. I was thinking about, I sat with a group of gay Christians that have chosen a celibate lifestyle. Mm -hmm. um, so same-sex attracted Christians feel like God has called them to celibacy out of just traditional biblical teaching and how they've said the amount of anxiety they've had walking into church has been just horrendous and has caused right? them deep, dark depression. And they've had friends who've committed suicide over it. And mm. I was thinking back on that yesterday. That was something I had kind of forgotten about. And that did make me think, okay, Andy, you're on to something and you're naming something that probably needs to be named that we've been really afraid to because of something we talked about earlier in the show, like wanting to be right wanting to be truthful on the other hand. So that's one place I've landed. The other place I've landed is I do have some questions about him there later on in the audio. He says something like, look, I know the clobber verses and he specifically mm -hmm. mentions three verses in scripture, one from Leviticus, one from Romans. And I think the other is from first Corinthians that talk about homosexuality as a sin. He says, I know the clobber verses. And that to me felt a little bit flippant because mm -hmm. you're dismissive. You're, yeah. Yeah. And so that's the only thing. Like I I appreciate what he did. And again, I didn't hear the whole sermon. But to me, a statement like that almost needs to be made in context of like, here's our theology as a church, wherever they're landing, here's our theology of a church around sexuality. 
and let's honor the pain of our same-sex attracted brothers and sisters because otherwise it did feel a little flippant and it to me it begs some questions like is andy prepping his church to be open and affirming which he might be he might not be too that's the thing is he left himself pretty open-ended there so i i i mean honestly i landed a little bit ambivalent i had two two different reactions yeah I, so go to Twitter at some point today and put in the search engine, uh, the search Andy bar, Stanley. Andy Stanley, and just have some fun with it today. You're going to wow. see that there are people all over the place. And I, I wanted to end with something James Merritt said, because you, uh, when you are on Twitter, you do want to look for people you respect, right? You yeah. want to go. Uh, and James Merritt uh, has been a longtime pastor. Mm-hmm. Um, He's a gay and- Christian. No, no, his son is a gay Christian. Oh, James Merritt, you said. I'm sorry. Jonathan yep, his, Merritt is who I was His son of, yeah. is Jonathan Merritt. But James Merritt, uh, let me just read what he wrote about this. Because like you just said, he has a son who's a gay progressive yeah. Christian. Very yeah. outspoken. Jonathan Merritt, writes, great yeah. writer. Yeah. Uh, James Merritt, very influential in the Southern Baptist Convention. All of this stuff. And he holds all of this stuff at tension. He tweeted this. This is not hard, people. All, and he capitalized all, sex outside of marriage between a man and a woman is sinful. No exceptions, none. God's grace is also available to capitalized all sinners through faith in Christ and repentance. No exceptions. Two truths joined together and inseparable. There's Mm. some more you can unpack from that, but I thought Mm. that was helpful. I thought, and and I do think Andy Stanley's getting at, uh, well, we'll see where Stanley goes. But I think one of the main points that you made is... Let's not make this the scarlet letter sin while letting all the other sins just kind of totally. hide darkly in the totally. corner. Totally. Right. Well, Brian and I will be back again tomorrow from 4 to 6 p.m. For Brian from I'm Aubrey Sampson, and you've been listening to The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.